You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 191. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, a fiduciary, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it is great to be with you today. And today's episode is, are you spending enough money in retirement? And if you're not even close to retirement, you still need to listen to this episode because it will take you to the next level in your family stewardship on your quest to financial freedom. But before we get to the topic of the day, my wife and I are normally on the same page with just about everything related to money. But sometimes we're not. And usually it's around vacation spending. Now, don't get me wrong, there's not knockdown, drag out fights, but here's what happens. I am in charge of the budget, and the budget revolves around our monthly expenses. And my wife and I make an escrow list, as we call it, for all of those expenses that don't happen on a monthly basis but happen at some point during the year. And we write them all down and we add them up. We divide them by 12. And so we make sure we're saving this much money in our escrow account, as we call it, so we can account for these expenses that happen during the year. And let me tell you, it's a lot of expenses. Let me go through a few of them. My wife's Hair. She gets a haircut in a color, not every month, but gets it done. And boy, is it expensive. Our water bill, Christmas gifts, clothes. We do a spring run and a fall run. I'm sure you do the same with your kids. Our car insurance, filters for our refrigerator and our heater, and so on. Vacation oil changes, doctor deductibles, homeowners association, all the birthday gifts that happen during the year within our family, birthday parties, life insurance, the bug guy. My wife has parties she throws for her school because she's the principal a couple times during the year. Our Amazon yearly bill, our club volleyball bills, Maintenance on the snowblower and lawnmower. My dog's insurance. Yes, my dog has health insurance. God help us. And salt for our water softener. The list goes on. And as you could imagine, oh my gosh, those expenses add up. And when I divide by 12, 
I think to myself, what can we cut out of here? And then my wife comes to me and says, hey, let's go to Hawaii this year for vacation. And we need to go somewhere else for a summer vacation. And what about the volleyball trips? And what about my daughter that lives in D.C.? The list goes on. So then what happens to me? I start fighting against the vacation bill. I say, baby, I just don't know if we can do all these vacations. I don't even know if we can do one of the vacations. And why do I fight it? I ask myself afterward, why do I fight it? And I think the answer is, I look at the expenses without context. And what do I mean by context? Well, I don't look to our long-term plan. And if we're on track and we're saving enough for our kids' college, and if we're saving enough for our retirement, why do I care how much we're spending on vacation during the year? Especially as a family steward, the experiences that we have with our family are the things that we're going to remember the most when we start recounting our life when it's almost over. Do you fight vacation? Are you looking at the context of your life when you do so? Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. You are probably not going to spend enough in retirement. What in the world do I mean by that? Well, said another way, you probably need to spend more in retirement than you're going to. There was a prospect that came to Fortress Planning Group a few weeks ago, and they said, Scott, We've been to our financial advisor. Oh, and we said to them, hey, we're thinking about retiring in two or three years. And the financial advisor said, great, and developed a financial plan and looked at it and said, whoa, you have a 90% probability of retiring in three years, let's just call it. So let's plan on that. And he went through the plan, or she, and got to their plan and what it was going to look like at the end of the plan. And at the end of the plan, when the wife was maybe 94 and the husband was 92, it said they were going to have literally millions of dollars left. And the wife said, what? We're going to have millions of dollars left at the end of our plan? And the advisor said, wait, 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 you might. There's a high probability you will. But that's what makes your plan 90% probable. And the husband and the wife looked at each other and said, if we're going to have millions of dollars left and we have kids and we want our kids to have some money, but I think we want to retire much earlier than three years from now. Why don't we retire today? And then the advisor said, whoa, hold on a second. If you retire today, your probabilities of success are going to go down. And they said, why? We're going to have millions of dollars left before or when our plan is over. Why can't we retire now? And that's why they came to me with questions that they didn't understand. 
So a little bit after this prospect meeting, I read an article in Barron's Magazine by Neil Templin, which basically said retirees are not spending enough of their nest egg. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about some reasons why people aren't spending enough and then what we can do in order to spend more. Because as an advisor, it is my job for my clients to not overspend. That is why so many people seek an advisor around retirement. But it is also my job to get them to spend more, especially when they can and their plan allows it and they have these goals of maybe vacationing more, of maybe buying newer vehicles or buying a second home or buying a cottage up north or giving more. When planning for retirement, individuals are often concerned they will not have enough in savings to last throughout the rest of their retirement lives. And at the same time, much of retirement planning on the advisor's side considers this same question. But as an advisor, we need to include the potential downsides of sequence of return risk to permanently reduce a client's safe spending rates for the remainder of the retirement. What am I talking about? We must understand sequence of return risk. Because if I go back to my couple that's going to have millions of dollars at the end of their plan, why aren't they just taking out more right now? And we're going to talk about the 4% rule in a little bit, but why don't they just start taking out 7% right now if they're going to end up with millions? And if their average potential return is around 9%, well, 7% should be real easy to take out. In fact, why don't I even take out 9%? If that's my average rate of return, well, because of sequence of return risk. Let's say, for example, that you have a million dollars and you don't want to leave your kids a whole bunch of money when they die. You're cool with them having some, but you don't want them to have millions. So you're going to take out 7% per year out of your account. And let's say, for example, year one, It's a bad year in the market and your portfolio goes down 25%. That's $250,000 you're losing on paper, on your statement, in your retirement account. Plus, you're taking $70,000, 7% of that million dollars to live off of. So at the end of year one, you don't have a million dollars anymore. You have $680,000 thousand dollars. Year two was not good either. Year two was better than year one, but it was still down 15%. Well, that's roughly a hundred thousand dollars plus the 70,000 that you're taking to live off of in year two. So at the end of year two, you're left with $480,000, less than half of what you started with. And now we go on a bull run. Stock market starts doing really good for several years. Maybe some of those years are even or down a little, but for the most part, they're doing really well. But you're still taking $70,000 out every year. And because your portfolio only has $480,000 starting year three, you're no longer that year 
taking 7% out of the portfolio. You're taking about 14.5% out of the portfolio to get the 70,000. And my point is, with sequence of return risk, is that you never get back to where you need to be. And your portfolio ends up running out of money. This is real, folks, and we can't discount it. If you go through some periods in history from the Depression in the 20s to 1974 and 1975 and a few other periods in time, your portfolio would run out of money at that 7%. So we need to understand sequence of return risk. And as an advisor, I need my clients to understand this. But still, people are dying with a lot of money in their portfolios. So why don't people spend more in retirement? I mean, most people don't even understand what sequence of return risk really is. Well, I leave a subset of people alone that aren't spending enough in retirement. And these people are the people that love watching their number go up. They've been spending their whole career watching their number go up. And no amount of new cars, new vacations, new homes is going to replace that good feeling of watching their portfolio number go up. I'm going to leave these people alone. I've tried to talk to them. It's not going to work. They want to continue to watch their portfolio climb. The other subset of people, well, they're doing everything they want to do anyway. They're living their best life, but they have so much money or it doesn't cost them much money to live their best life. So the portfolio keeps going up. That's cool. But what about the other, the majority of the people? Well, the majority of the people don't spend more in retirement because either one, they're so afraid they're going to run out of money because it's a real fear. Number two, they don't want to be a burden on their kids. That is a real fear for a lot of people. Number three, a lot of retirees are relying too much on their portfolio for income. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but they don't understand the right way to take money out of the portfolio. And then number four, too many people are living in a science lab and they're sticking to some withdrawal rate that's much lower than 7%. It's more like 3% or maybe the Bangden rule, 4%. And even though we've had a many, many good years of market return, they're not flexible. They're going to keep doing the rule. And for those of you that don't know what the rule is, the Bangden rule simply says this, I'm going to start with a 4% withdrawal rate. And on a million dollars, that's 40 grand. And every year, no matter what the inflation rate is, I'm going to take a raise to inflation, but that's it. And I'm going to take that much out the next year. And I'm going to go through my retirement years doing this. And if you're going to be around for 30 years, there's a 93% chance that you'll never have to change a thing. And this will work out for you, provided you have the right portfolio. I mean, those odds sound really good. There's only a 7% chance a couple of times in history when the 4% rule didn't work. Mostly it has worked. But what about the opposite effect with really good market returns? What happens on the other 93% of the trials? How much money do you end up with? 
Well, at the middle of the trial, so if there's a thousand rolling monthly trials of 30-year returns on a 60-stock, 40-bond mix, that medium return, that median, the 500th trial, you end up with what you started with. And really, you ended up with a little more, but a million bucks. You ended up with a million bucks at the end of your 30 years. So there was a whole bunch of trials that you ended up with less. 7% of the trials, you ran out of money, but there's 50%, half of those trials that you ended up with more than you started with. And once you get higher up into the quadrants, you end up with not a million dollars, but maybe two or three or four or five or more million dollars by sitting in a lab using the Bangden rule of 3% or 4% and never being flexible. All right, that's the bad news (laughs) because I want you to live your best life in retirement. So what's the fix, Scott? Well, I have fixes. I always have fixes. Number one, fix for you is the ability to be flexible in many different ways. Number one, have less monthly income. Pay off your house before you retire or come up with a plan to have that thing paid off sooner rather than later. Some people start off retirement and still have a 30-year loan that they need to pay off because they just refinanced. Less of a monthly output has actually shown that you will spend more money in retirement because you're less reliant on your portfolio in the amount of money that you need to take out for your regular expenses. Number two, eliminate all the other debt. Pay cash for your vehicles, even if it's a new vehicle. And I understand that sometimes we get these 0% rates or 0.9%. So let's look at it within the plan, but let's think about cash on the barrel for your vehicles. Number three, let's do our best, especially if we have our house paid off, and our car paid off, to have all of our monthly spending, including our escrow, taken care of in inflation-protected annuity-type payments. Researchers David Blanchett and Michael Finke found that spending in retirement was greater for individuals who received a larger portion of their income from guaranteed, in quotes, sources, such as Defined benefit pensions, annuities, social security, etc. If we can come up with annuity type payments for our regular expenses, research suggests if we don't have a good strategy with our advisor, that you will end up spending more in retirement because that nest egg you're less reliant on. If it ends up going to zero, you're still going to be fine because you have inflation-protected annuity-type payments. What do I mean by that? Because, wait a second, Scott, you don't love annuities. I don't at all. They're very expensive. In some situations, a single premium annuity may be a good idea. In other situations, you may have a pension that you're drawing from. A lot of times, it's not inflation-protected. And they aren't around as much as they used to be, but they still are around. But the biggest thing is your social security payment. If you can delay, delay, delay 
That means don't start collecting Social Security early at 62 or at your full retirement age. But if you can delay until 70 and you are married, you and your spouse, those payments where you're getting an 8% raise every year you delay and Social Security is protected from inflation. It goes up with inflation every year. You just might have enough money in your Social Security or a big part of it to pay for your monthly expenses. And finally, if you can come up with some sort of inflation-protected security or bond kind of ladder, which gets very complicated, so work with your advisor, dimensional has their target date, retirement income fund is tied to some stocks, but a laddered inflation-protected security kind of bundle. All of these ways will allow us to be more flexible. On top of that, get out of the lab when it comes to the Bangdon 4% rule. Get flexible. Our lives, our returns we see from the stock market during retirement, inflation we see, it's all going to go up and down. So you need to be flexible. Here at Fortress Planning Group, we use the Guyton rules, which were rules that were placed on top of all the Bangdon research. So if we can put together a portfolio and use certain rules, we can actually move up from our 4% withdrawal rate that Bangdon says in a very systematic and thoughtful way. And we look at things like time horizon, significant diversification, flexibility with spending, moderate valuation of the stock environment, tactical asset location, and so on. And when we group these together, we can move our rate up from 4% sometimes to 5 or 6% as long as we follow certain rules. I don't have time to go through these rules, but that's us getting out of a lab, getting into the real world. And a lot of times individuals have a hard time doing that because they're scared and they don't have all of the research and knowledge when it comes to taking money out of a portfolio for retirement. It's easy sometimes to save 10 or 15 or 20%, but when it's time to take the money out, it gets a little scarier. And finally, the ability to stay disciplined in your investment philosophy will be key in your retirement and it will allow you to take more money out of your portfolio. I say this all the time and I'm not talking about just putting your money in the market and taking it out sometimes. I'm talking about all the shifting around of your stock versus bond allocation, growth versus value, small versus large international sector rotation. You need to not continuously mess with your investments. You need to come up with a plan and stick with your plan. And stock picking, give me a break. Do not do this in retirement. When it comes to spending money in retirement, it's not that much different than when me and my wife get together and talk about our vacation spending. You want to know why? Because it all comes down to a plan. We need 
a spending plan now. We need a spending plan in retirement. And if we have the knowledge and the discipline, we can take more money out of our retirement funds during retirement. Because I want you, Family Stewart, to live your best life now and in the future. And I want to live by these rules myself where I can be flexible now and flexible later in retirement. And don't get me wrong, I love my kids. I want my kids to have an inheritance. I want my family legacy to live on for generations to come. But at the same time, as a family steward, I want my kids to find their way. I don't want my kids to think they're gonna get this big fat nest egg from me and you shouldn't think the same either because they need to work and find their way just like the successful family steward you are. You want to instill all of those values in them just like they were installed or instilled in you. And how does it happen? By hard work, by hard work. I'll tell you right now, and I say this and people don't believe me, I don't care about winning the lottery. Number one, I don't buy lottery tickets, but I do not care about winning the lottery because I want to make it myself. I don't want money from my parents. I don't want money from the lottery. I want to figure this thing out because that's all part of the road trip that we're on in life to live our best life. So let's start spending more money. That's all the time I have today. Everybody have a great day and I will see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.